Hi, everyone. I'm Pam Keneally, co-founder of Arise Ministries, and we are so thrilled to have you today with us at the single MomCast that we're putting on for you today. Listen, if you want to email us, feel free to do so at info at ariseministries.net, or we'd love for you to subscribe to our MomCast on Spotify or iTunes. So join us there. We would love to have you participate with us. Moms, today I am so excited, humbled, thrilled. I don't even have the words to share with you how I feel about this podcast today because it is just, you will not leave the same way that you came onto this. So just gear up because you're going to be so blessed. But today I have with me somebody very, very personal. Um, uh, actually, he was raised in Kingfisher, Oklahoma. And for those of you that aren't familiar with Oklahoma, that's a teeny tiny little town. But this teeny tiny little guy that grew up in Kingfisher, Oklahoma, God used to be a gigantic person as far as his kingdom purposes and sharing his story. You know, let me tell you a little bit about Curtis. Um, he is a former American football inside linebacker in the NFL. Um, he played college football for the University of Oklahoma and then later was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons in 2008 in the NFL draft and then also played for the New Orleans Saints and Oakland Raiders. And then, uh, I don't mind telling you, he went on to be ranked the number eight inside linebacker in the nation, according to ESPN. So to say the least, uh, this guy is really a famous guy, but in his heart, he is the most humble person, and you are just going to love hearing his story. Now, moms, listen, the reason why I'm glad you're listening to this MomCast, I know you don't care about football, that may not be your deal, but here's what you do care about, Curtis was raised by his grandmother. And so today, you are going to hear an amazing story, and you will leave here empowered and encouraged in your role as a single mother. So Curtis, welcome. I'm glad to have you today. Thanks for having me. That was a great introduction, okay, Pam. Okay, good deal. Well, we're already off to a good start. So, you know, Curtis, before we start, I don't know whether I've ever told you this before, but uh, did I ever tell you my dad played professional football for the New York Giants? You did not. <laughs> well, you know what? Back in the 30s, he played. And uh, back then, I found a letter up in the attic, Curtis, and, and it said, hey, his nickname was Moon because his face was shaped like a moon. And you could see his face through the <laughs> helmet. And so I found this letter that said, hey, Moon, you can join, jump the next train and you can play the next game for $100. And so NFL has changed a bit, hadn't it? It's changed quite a bit. I don't know if I'm even putting my shoes on for $100 to play in the game now. <laughs> but anyway, I just I thought that was so timely since I was going to meet with you today and, and so forth. So anyway, I tell you what, before we start, Curtis, just tell us something you want people to know about you other than what I've just said. Well, I think for me, uh, well, I don't know how – how much of the story you want me to get into? Are we going to get to that later on? We're going to get to that. Just tell me something um, maybe about your family. I would say, you know, I, I have, uh, I'm, you know, I married my college sweetheart. You know, we, we dated for 15 years. Our anniversary is actually coming up this Sunday, May 9th. Oh, wow. So it'll be six years. And um, we got two little girls who are four and two, Aaliyah, Aaliyah <laughs> Grace and Alani Jordan. And uh, we have our hands full. They are Every bit, I always like to say that my oldest is about a 70-30 split, 70% my <laughs> wife, 30% me, and uh, my youngest is 95% me and 5% my wife, so my youngest is uh, 
She's tough. you got a handful, don't Most you? Most definitely. You do. Well, I want you to know, too, his wife, Jenny, is totally beautiful and just the sweetest thing ever. What a sweet family you have with those three girls in your household. So, anyway, I, I just want to get to the story, moms, and I just want you to just sit back and just ask God to open your heart and do something in your heart today to encourage you in your role. You know what? Uh, something happened, Curtis, when you were eight years old beyond your control that forever changed your life. I mean, life as a young boy did not turn out the way you had planned, certainly. So can we just start with your story there when you when you were eight and just move forward and how, how all that played out and and where you were as a young kid and, and where it took you? Most definitely. So <clears throat> growing up for me, it was, uh, I always say it was unique and difficult because, you know, my mother, you know, now that I'm older, I look back on it, and I know she did the best she d- could do, but at the time, it really wasn't the best for me. Um, my mother, when I was eight years old, she went to prison, and my father wasn't nowhere to be found. And so my grandmother, uh, she raised me and two of my other brothers after raising three kids of her own by herself. So uh, I know at the, at the age of eight, I grew up, I was angry. I was sad. Uh, I didn't feel wanted. I felt that, you know, my mother, she always chose whether it was drugs, men, or whatever it may have been over me. And so I began to have all these insecurities like I wasn't good enough or there was something about me that, you know, she didn't want or something about me that my father didn't want to be in my life. And so, but, you know, the one saving grace that in this whole story for me was my grandmother. Now, my grandmother, she's probably about 5'4", and she's a strong Christian woman. And so, you know, we didn't like going to my grandma's house when we were young because we had to go to church Monday night, Tuesday <laughs> night, Wednesday, revivals, <laughs> Sunday school, then church. And it was just, you better pack a lunch. You know, I always <laughs> say, you know, going to black church, you know, you be, you don't know when you'll get out of there. And... um so, but it was in those times that, you know, she would be, I remember sitting in church so many times and, uh, you know, they're talking about this all loving God. And I just remember thinking to myself, how could this all loving God take my mother from me and then not have a, not, you know, my father didn't want to have anything to do with me. And so at the same time, I was mad at my mother, I was mad at my father and I was mad at God. And so, you know, for me growing up, one of the things that, I was able to take my anger out in is, you know, I started playing football. And so football kind of gave me uh, an even playing field with everyone else because I I thought that I was below everybody, but football made me equal to them. And so I just began pouring into football and trying to make it my best, and that's one of the ways I got all my anger out. And, you know, my grandmother, um, you know, she did the best she could. She was working two jobs, and I just remember thinking at, at a young age, you know, I'm going to play football. I'm going to make it to the NFL, so I'll be able to buy her a house one day. Mm, that's amazing. Well, you know what? Um, there, He was raised by his grandmother, and today there's about 2.5 million grandmothers out there, Curtis, raising, raising children. So if you're a grandmother, you know, you're one of those wonderful statistics that can make a difference. So you'd you be, you be encouraged by that and find, 
In fact, those families are called uh, grand families, and they are grand families in a lot of ways. But Curtis, uh, before we get into how you got into football later on, tell uh, I love the story you tell about the fact that y'all would hide the brushes from your grandmother. <laughs> would yeah. you tell that? <laughs> so, you know, we used to have these little froze back in the days. So uh, before church, you know, my grandma used to comb our hair. And so me and my brothers, we came up with the clever idea of we're going to hide all the brushes, we're going to hide all the combs. And so we did it. So my grandma said, she used to always call me little man. Little man, you better go get that comb. And I was like, Grandma, I don't know where they're at. <laughs> and so she said, okay. And so she went into the uh, kitchen, opened the drawer, and pulled out a fork. <laughs> and so she combed my brother and I's hair with a fork. And, man, when I tell you, it hurt so bad. But, you know, we had the softest hair you can imagine, <laughs> little Afro puffs. <laughs> You know, moms, if you get nothing else out of this podcast, don't throw away your forks. You might need them someday. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so your grandmother, was she, I bet she was a tough cookie as well. Oh, I always describe my grandma as stubborn. Okay. So, you know, when people always say, what's what's one of my number one qualities I took from my grandma is being stubborn. And so some people see stubbornness as, as uh, you know, a, a bad characteristic, but for us, I think it's a positive because she was so stubborn that, you know, she she wouldn't take any help from anybody. She just took it upon herself to, you know, raise three kids after raising three kids of her own. And she was so stubborn that she worked two jobs. And, you know, for me, she didn't allow us to feel sorry for ourselves. And um, she just used to always just push us. And um, she said, so what do you, she's, I remember her used to always say to me, what are you going to do, just quit? Mm-hmm. She said, we don't quit in our family. Mm-hmm. And so that's just one of the things that I always, you know, carry with me. And uh, and I still carry it with me. And, you know, I pass it along to my kids. Absolutely. I bet your kids are learning lots of neat things that you learned from your grandmother. You know what? Um, I, I'm thinking about your grandmother. And you had mentioned one time about the scriptures, about you sitting in her lap and her reading scriptures. Tell me about about what she did for you concerning your her desire to focus you toward Christ? Well, I think, you know, when you look at it, you know, sometimes you, 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 you're the one that gets to plant the seed, but you may not get to reap the harvest. And so my grandma, at an early age, she, was, she, she planted a lot of seeds. And I know at times for her, she probably thought that, you know, nothing was going to come of it. But I remember, you know, the things that just come off the top of my head is, you know, the humble will be exalted and those who exalt themselves will be humbled. So at the early age, I just always remember it, no matter how high I get, I'm always going to stay humble. And, you know, she used to always say, too, that, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. And so be careful who you hang out with because that's who you're going to become. And so I just remember always taking those lessons with me everywhere I went. And, you know, the people that I hung around, I made sure that they were about the right things. And, you know, I always like to say that, you know, everybody wants to talk about peer pressure being bad, but peer pressure beca- can become good, too, as long as you're around the good, the right people. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, take us into how you moved into, like, like you always wanted to be a football player. You told your young elementary teacher, someone, that when you grew up, you were going to be a football, an NFL football player when you were just a little kid. So how did all that begin to unfold as you got into high school? I mean, what did that look like? 
as, as far as you moving into even having an opportunity to be looked at by the NFL? Well, I have to give you the story. So uh, in fifth grade, one of my best friends, and really his his family kind of adopted me. His name is Ryan Yek and uh, Vicky Yek and Darcy Yek and his sister Sarah Yek. They pretty much just took, picked me up and take me to all my games. And, you know, at an early age, I knew that there was something different about me than the other kids. You know, I just – football was just something that just God just gave me that, you know, I excelled at. And so – as the years went along, I got bigger, I got stronger, I got faster. And so, you know, it was really, I was a boy amongst men. I was a man amongst boys. And once I got to junior high, you know, football to me, actually my favorite sport was basketball, but, you know, football, there wasn't anybody that could really touch me. And so I remember my sophomore year, uh, my, my coach, Stan Blundell, took me to Stillwater, which I grew up an Oklahoma State, diehard Oklahoma State fan. Boo, I know. I know some of you thinking, like, <laughs> what? But uh, we went to this camp, and, you know, when I was in in high school, and, you know, my coach used to always tell me, hey, Curtis, take it easy. Don't go all out. And so I get to this camp, and, you know, we're in pads, and there's this guy who was pretty highly rated, and, you know, I think I knocked him out. And um, I just remember going and doing all the tests, and, after the day was over, I didn't know if I did good or if I did bad. And I just remember uh, Bill Clay, the def- defensive coordinator of the Cowboys at the uh, the Cowboys at the time, came up to me and said, "Hey, hey, hey, son, what's your name?" I said, "Curtis Lofton." He said, "What grade are you in?" I said, "I'm a sophomore." He said, "A sophomore? This is a junior senior camp." <laughs> and he said, "Who brought you here?" And I was like, "Oh man, I'm getting in trouble for hurting that guy." And I said, "That guy over there, that's my linebacker coach in high school." So he went over and talked to him. And uh, he said, hey, this kid can play. He said, uh, you know, he has D- every bit of D1 potential. And so uh, from that moment on, you know, my coach used to take me to McDonald's afterwards, but he took me to Eskimo Joe's. And so <laughs> when you hitting a big <laughs> and he said, uh, what would you do? I said, coach, I said, uh, I, I didn't take it easy. I went hard. He said, well, he said that you could play defense division one football. He said, what do you think about that? And I said, man, that'd be awesome. So from that moment on, that was my purpose because I knew we didn't have the money to be able to afford for, you know, go to college. And if I wasn't going to play football or basketball, I was planning on going to the military. So in my mind, it was, you know, hey, put everything you got into it. And there's so many people along the way uh, from the I remember asking the bus lady because I didn't have a car. I said, hey, can you pick me up um, before you pick the bus up so I can go to the weight room and work out? And so she did, and, you know, and that was just who I was as a person. I was willing to work to get to my goal, and, um, you know, I just carried that with me for the rest of my career. Well, I love that. You know, I'm going to ask a question that I know I always like to ask questions that everybody's wanting me to ask, and everybody's probably wanting me to ask, what was it like being in the NFL? We see them, we see you with them on TV running out and just all the – all the you know glory and pomp and getting hit hard and and what was it like being being in the NFL and I want you to tell them if you've ever had a surgery <laughs> <laughs> been in the NFL you know the first thing people look at is man they make a lot of money and that is true you do make a lot of money but at the same time I have 13 surgeries and um you know some are small but a lot of them you know I'll carry with me for the rest of my life and um you know I'll be th- 
be 35 in June and some days I wake up and I'm I, I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's you sacrifice, you know, that's what you sacrifice to get to that money. And that's what I was willing to do. But uh, the one thing that NFL does provide is comfort and it provides a platform. And so for me, I've always been conscious of how am I going to use my platform? And at a, you know, I, I, I came to Christ in 2012 when, when I made it my own faith because I felt that, um, you know, I was living off my grandma's faith and my uncle's faith. And, you know, when you make it to the NFL, you know, you get a lot of money. So you become, um, there's a lot of things that can pull you away from Christ and pull you away from who you are as a person. And, you know, I'll be sitting here to lie to say that I, that that didn't happen to me. But at the same time, you know, I began, you know, Christ is always there and you hear the little voice and he talks to you and he begins. Mm -hmm. And so for me, being in the NFL, I remember waking up one morning and, you know, I didn't like the person who I was. And, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, I met this pastor. I remember seeing this church. It said Celebration Churches. Uh, great for kids. And I was like, well, I'm a big kid, so I'll go over there. <laughs> and I went to it and I met this pastor, Manly Miller, and I began meeting with him every Tuesday for a year. And those meetings that began to soften my heart and begin to change who I was as a person. And, um, it wasn't easy, but, um, because I feel, I felt as if, if I fully gave myself to Christ, who would my buddies and who would people think I was here? I am this Holy roller, but you know, at the same time, when Christ comes into your life, he sets everything ablaze, and it changed everything about me. Right. You had mentioned in one one podcast or video I was watching, there was a time you were coming home uh, from your rich and famous and empty life and living big and having whatever amount of money you wanted in your pocket and experiencing the world. And you were driving along, if I remember correctly, and... In, in in this particular podcast I heard, you said, and I was tired, and I came to the Lord, and I said, um, you basically just said, God, I'm tired. Do you remember that conversation? Yeah, I just, I remember, uh, you know, I, I felt like the world had me by one hand, and uh, God had me by the other hand, and, you know, I was just tired of just fighting. And, you know, you have these uh, moments where when you're by yourself, when you know, you're really sitting there and you're like, who am I as a person? And, and the things that I'm doing, that's not who I am, but I keep doing them. You know, I really felt like Paul, but I just remember I was riding in my car and I finally just remember saying, God, if you are who you are, if you are who you say you are, I need you in my life and I need it now. And I just remember in that, in that instant, it was like a, just a, a it's hard really to put into words what happened, but all of a sudden I, I felt peace and I felt God say, I've been here the whole time mm. and <laughs> it's getting me. <clears throat> you know, moms, listen to me. Okay. I want you to listen. I want you to listen. I do not know where you are today, but God does. And what Curtis is saying is that when you bend your heart, finally you give up and you yield, and you surrender it all, all of it, and say, God, I'm tired. God, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. When you get to that place and you call out to him, 
The Bible says in Psalms 116 that the Lord bends down to act. He's active. He's waiting for you to yield. He bends down and something miraculous happens. I love it because he knows the thoughts and intentions of your heart. He knew Curtis's intention was to serve him, and he was just growing through the season. But there came a time that he yielded. And maybe God's calling you to do that today. I can't help but think of a verse in Psalm 66 that says, truly, and I love this verse, truly God has listened. And that's okay, he's listened, but here's the best part. Here's what he does. He attends to your voice. And to attend to your voice means he acts. But he's got to hear your voice. Mom, something happens when you yield and you give your whole heart to him his spirit will act. You know, Curtis, let me let me venture back just a second. I've got two things I want to I want to ask you. First of all, I want you to tell these moms if you can again what your grandmother did right. Listen, if you're a grandmother or a mom, there are things raising children that you can do right. And so what were some of the things again that she did right? <laughs> well, um she did a lot of things right and I would just say um, she was tough. She was really tough, and she disciplined us, and she disciplined us a lot. I know a lot of people made against whippings, but I can tell you to this day those whippings saved me. And I just remember, uh, you know, we were acting out. We were doing a lot of di- a lot of crazy things. I remember us, we tried to steal a car one time. We, there's a used car dealership, and we were walking by, and they left the keys in, so we took the cars for jewel rides and different things, and the police caught us, and— um, I just remember coming home, and my grandma, we were expecting her to beat us, but she said, um, she said, I love you guys, and um, you guys keep acting up, and, you know, they're going to take you away from me. And I just remember thinking, and she started crying, and I just remember thinking I never wanted to see her cry again. And because of my behavior and the things that I was doing, and so I would say the things she did right was she planted the seed of Christ in my heart, and she instilled into me uh, a work ethic that compared to no one else's. And so those two things, you know, changed my life forever. You know, you mentioned, too, that in the process, yes, yeah, she did that right, but she did something else as well. She she put you in an atmosphere or allowed you to be in an atmosphere where you could thrive. And it happened to be football, but she also had you grounded in church. Well, I always say, too, is— you know, we didn't have a lot of things, but the one thing that we was never short on was love. And so she just loved us so much. And, um, you know, we felt that and it, 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 you know, love conquers everything. It really does. It goes a long way, doesn't it? It goes a long way, Mom, when you're hurting yourself. And we're talking about what you can do for your child. But when you're hurting, it's really hard. But love, like you said, Curtis, I love it. Love conquers all. Love never fails. Listen, I want to ask you another question. I'm thinking about the mom sitting out there, and she has an angry child. I don't know whether it's because the dad passed away or because they're divorced or you adopted a child and there is no dad in the picture or um, there's a lot of reasons or you've never married. There's a lot of reasons you could be a single mother, but maybe you have an angry child like Curtis was struggling with when he was eight years old. Curtis, do you have any any words of wisdom to mom who has an angry child about where, what she should do or, or how she, where she should turn or any words of advice for her? Well, I'll say angry, angry children turn into angry men mm-hmm. or 
you know, and so our angry daughters turn into angry women. And I know for myself, you know, I had an outlet to be able to get that anger out. And, you know, it wasn't until I became a man that I just, I really realized, you know, some of the things about my personality, I used to say, oh, that's just who I am or, and it's not who I am. It's my defense mechanism that I developed at a kid. And so, you know, I had to go do some counseling to really get to the bottom of some things that I experienced in my childhood that I wasn't, you know, prepared to handle. And so if I was a mother, I would say, you know, you know, have a person that, you know, whether it's at your church or, you know, a professional that they could talk to to be able to express, you know, what they're feeling and why they're feeling. You know, you started earlier and it, it'll help them out, you know, far more than you could ever you could guess. Right. That's great advice. I also want to mention, too, if you'll talk just a few minutes about you had some mentors along the way that you're you you know you chose but your grandmother allowed there to be a village around you in a way so talk to me a few minutes about some of the people that came alongside your your journey to keep you on the right track well I know early on my grandma she didn't uh she's very protective protective over us she wouldn't let us stay the night at anybody's house and I had some friends and you know once she gave in you know as a kid you know you'd be like hey you know, have your mom ask my grandma because she won't say no to her. <laughs> and so that worked. But I used to get whoopings every time that happened. But it was worth it. But, mm-hmm. you know, the Armses, the Yeks, the Blairs, I mean, the entire town of Kingfisher, you know, because my grandma, she couldn't just be there for me, but everyone else was. Um, you know, whether I needed a meal, you know, the Armses and the Yeks, they would pick me up from school and help me with my homework and feed me and, um you know, it takes, you know, they used to say it takes a village to raise a, a kid, and, you know, it does. And so sometimes I feel as moms that you guys try to do everything yourselves, and it's okay to let other people step in and help you out. And, you know, and you know, I felt like sometimes that my grandma thought that people were trying to steal us away, and it wasn't the case. They just saw that, you know, what she was doing and where we were at, and they they wanted to help out and you know, I'm forever grateful, and um, I know in particular there's a lady named Miss Yak, Vicky Yak, who, um, you know, was a teacher at my school, and she was one of the first people that um, I thought I was dumb, and I w- she was one of the first people that, you know, instilled in me and told me I was smart and showed me how to study and how to do my homework, and, you know, I became a straight-A student and an A and B student, and, you know, I, f- I graduate college, college with honors, and so, you know, you got to let people step in and help you out and don't try to do it by yourself. I love that. And I just want to say to moms that you might not be able to afford counseling or you might not be able to afford this and that, this and that. But you are listening to this podcast. It is a God anointed, appointed reason because we have free videos, articles, podcasts, Bible studies on every topic you could possibly imagine. We ask you to send us information at info at net and tell us what you want us to talk about to help you. God has put Arise Ministries in your path to enable you and help you when you need direction or you need advice on something. That's why we're here. We've been here, you know, 20 years or more, and that is why we're here is to help you. So you need to let us hear from you as well. You know what, um, Curtis, is there um, 
in closing, I'm going to just ask you, what would you most like single mothers to know? The one thing that I would say I would like single mothers to to know is, you know, it's okay. You know, they're, your, your kids are going to be okay. Yes. And, um, and you're doing the best that you can. And just know that, that, you know, um, it's going to be okay. And that, you know, I feel like so, so many mothers and I have some friends who are single mothers and they try to overcompensate for, uh, the other parent that's not there and they, they run themselves ragged and, you know, take some time for yourself and, uh, you know, enjoy yourself, enjoy your life because, you know, you're the single parent and, you know, your kids will be fine. I do love that. That's because you know what, Curtis, that's all a mom cares about is, are my kids going to be okay? When it all comes down, that's what she cares the most about. Those are great words of wisdom. You know what, mom, in closing, I I thought about this morning about how I want to close this podcast. And I had something on the side in case God led me to do this. And I think I'm going to go ahead and share, but, but, um, Curtis, for years, I kept journals as a single mother, and I'm holding one right here. This was June, this is May 1990, uh, June 89, so it's been quite a while ago, and I kept journals as a single mother. And I picked one up this morning, and just to look through, and I found something that jumped off the page at me, and so I want to share, and then get confirmation for Curtis if this is true. I want to read to you five scriptures that that are powerful in the life of single mother. And I'm going to read on the page what I had on that page, and I'm going to put your, put your name in the blank. It says, and this is from Philippians 1.6, it says, Pam, or I would like to say single mother, God says, review my promise. I began a virtuous work in you, and even now I am perfecting and making good use out of your complications. Is that true, Curtis? <laughs> yes. That's true. Philippians 4:16. I'm reading Pam or single mother. Do not worry. I God says, I shall supply all that you need that I might accomplish my plan for you. Is that true, Curtis? The plan, God's plan is always better than yours cuz I can think about a million different reasons why that's the case and how you know, his plan prevailed over my life, and I am where I am because of him. Mm. Psalm 4, 8. Pam, do not be frazzled. I will keep your life together. Curtis, is that true? Most definitely. You know, it's it's so hard to, you know, like I was talking about earlier is once you go ahead and surrender everything to him, it changes everything about you. It does. And then the last one is in Matthew. Pam, or single mom, you feel it's out of reach, but nothing is impossible with me. Curtis, is that true? Everything. You know, I look at where I come from, a graduating class of 73 people, and so many people told me that it was impossible for me to go to college. Let alone go to OU, let alone go to the NFL, and you know, if I just you continue to put your trust in God and let him use you, nothing's impossible for him. I do love that final testimony. 
Well, single mom, that's it for today. We are so thrilled that you joined us. We are so thrilled that you're a part of our ministry. We, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for letting us at Arise Ministries come along your journey. And today we want you to know God loves you.